Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam! Hey! What's up? You know, okay, so I'm going to be very honest. Yeah, 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 please. Full honesty. Right before, right before we did this, we were planning our Halloween episode, which will be next week. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, and I thought... In my head, I was like, oh, so I have to do a spooky thing as the as the bit of our intro. And then I realized <laughs> that going, Adam, doesn't make sense because we're not talking about anything involving Halloween on this one, are we? Nope, nope, nothing spooky going on here. Uh, some alternate realities, maybe, but, uh, and, and some, maybe some truly terrible comics, but uh, not until later in this episode. Um, but uh, what are we talking about this week, Zach? This is a very interesting theme. Yeah, so the theme for this episode, uh, which, I want to be clear, comes to us, like all of our themes, except for the ones that we pick because we feel like it, which is rare, but it does happen. Occasionally. Occasionally. Seasonally. Often. <laughs> or when the mood strikes us right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like normally, our theme this week comes from Patreon supporter Marcelo Biop. Uh Marcelo said folks here's here's a couple of dollars i he he did he reached deep down into his heart in his pocketbook and threw a couple of coins in our coffers uh that keep comics xf running and as the premier comic book site for people who like this podcast question mark <laughs> uh and what marcelo suggested was hey can you do can you do an episode about mutant x so we did <laughs> but i cannot say that the first story that we're talking about is technically mutant x no because we we decided to go chronologically and you can't talk about mutant x volume one without talking about the issues of x factor that lead into mutant x uh because i think it would be a little bit confusing you, you could pick up Mutant X, number one, and, and we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But we are going to start with X-Factor 145 to 149. And uh, we got Howard Mackey writing these for the most part. Yeah, Howard Mackey does everything except for 147, which is a weird fill-in by Joseph Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on art duties, uh, we've got uh, Duncan Rawlu and Trevor Scott. Uh, we've got uh, Lee Motor. Uh, we've got Mike Miller, uh, who sucks, by the way. Uh, Lee Motor again, and then uh, James Fry finishes out the series. Um, Adam, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna ask because I know you know now, but before this series, <laughs> do you know about the XUE? I feel like such a dummy that I did not know about. Uh, this version of the XSE. Well, uh, these are the Xavier Underground Enforcers, and uh, I, I, I now found some very new, interesting characters. Yeah. So, and you, you just read these five issues. You did not read the 
about five issues before, excuse me, the five issues before this that introduce them and give you their whole vibe. Because uh, we're talking about Fix, we're talking about Archer, and buddy, you know we're talking about Greystone. Um, <laughs> yes. They're... You know how the XSE are cops? Like Bishop's future, he's he's a future cop? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And while Bishop is definitely full cop, the cops in that future are more uh, soldiers fighting a war than they are police as we would think of them in these day and age. Uh, that's that's beyond the point because the XUE thought that uh, the XSE was too soft. Uh, <laughs> right. So with with Shard, they formed a splinter group of the Xavier security enforcers, uh, the cops that Bishop is. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, somehow they have uh, traveled back in time. Now Shard is her own thing because. She yes. was just a hologram and suddenly like over time became reconstituted as sort of like a, a semi-transparent being. Right? She's a hard light hologram, Adam. Uh, you, <laughs> you remember the classic Bishop miniseries. I do. Uh, I do. Yeah. But she's sure, a full fledged sure. member of X factor at this point in continuity. And she had been, she had been for probably 30 issues at this point. Like, Shard, who I actually really like Shard. I think Shard's great. Uh, (laughs) Shard is Bishop's sister. Uh, She's also a cop. Uh, She could have gotten farther in the XSE as a leader, but she really wanted to be on the streets with her brothers and sisters in arms. Uh, And then she got murdered by M-plates. Jeez Louise, not cool. Not cool. And her hologram got sent back in time, and eventually it was sentient enough that it was just its own person yeah that's not what that's not what happened with the xue no and this is interesting too because each one of these characters you just introduced uh fix archer and greystone have been brought back through time and into someone else's body um so not only are they in someone else's body but they're kind of like each Transformers because they can go back and forth between what that character looks like and the regular the, looks and their original look. So with a character like Greystone, you have him. Uh, he is a very when he's at full power mode, he is this giant. When he's not powered, he is uh, an African-American man. And when he well, is... he's he's actually he's actually uh, I believe he's Samoan. Oh, I'm, from, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, well, listen. Unless you unless you know a lot about Delvin Greystone, you would you would not know uh, anything about Delvin Greystone because the coloring in this is well, uh, yeah a challenge. He's, it, I'm sorry. He's not. He's he's uh, a native New Zealander. Oh, I apologize. Okay. okay. Um, and then. To complicate that, he is stuck in the body of a very small white boy. So <laughs> he doesn't like, love that. No, and it's it, it, one uh, Archer who is kind of like I don't know. He looks like a robot almost. He's got his Archer M Archer tattooed to look, his glass helmet face. Yeah, Archer. Uh, Archer's so freaking cool. He's just got like a circle head that's white. <laughs> like he looks like Zero if Zero was wearing. A, uh, a XSE uniform. Yeah, uh, he's in the body of a serial killer and a cult leader. 
<laughs> who I guess was abusive to his wife and daughter and wants to make amends for it, but in his own old body, which okay, 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 choices we're, are we're going to jump made. around these stories, but let's talk about that one at one point. Archer in the body of a cult leader and serial killer. Like, he has some of the memories, and he starts to feel really bad for what this guy did. <laughs> yeah. So he goes and finds the wife and child of this cult. By the way, all these people have died. Like, that's how they got these bodies. They were fresh corpses, and they reanimated them using future science. It's fine. Uh, he goes to the wife and says, yeah, so uh, that w- I'm, I'm sorry. I was a bad husband. And then she doesn't believe him, and then some... X-Men stuff happens, uh, I believe, with Nick Fury and his mandroids. And they uh, they say, actually, no, okay, I'm a guy from the future that's inhabiting your dead husband's body. Um, <laughs> but he was, kind of a, he was kind of a piece of garbage. And I don't know, I'm stuck in the past now. You want to be a family? And she says yes. That's crazy. It doesn't and what's implied by sense. this is that Archer <laughs> and that family are living happily ever after. Like... Good for them. It all worked out. It's just very, very weird, Howard Mackey. Very, very strange. Um, Fix is uh, a a uh, dark-haired woman with uh, psychic butterflies that sort of... They are sprites. They are specifically yes. sprites. They're they like little fairies that she sends around. float around and kind of, uh, t- you know, can spy on things. It's pretty cool. Um, Fix is actually... I, I had forgotten about this. Fix and her... Sprites are how they were able to telepathically transmit their essences into those bodies. Oh, okay. Well, that that makes sense. Um, and then does it, it? No, it doesn't make sense. It is an excuse that the book thought. It's of. a comic book. It's not. I mean, I'm not asking for a scientific explanation for this. Of course, it makes no sense. Um, and then you have Greystone, who is um, at times quite insane. Um, he's maniacally oh, yeah. he had, obsessed he has... with killing the child version. Of a future villain, um, and has to be stopped by his teammates, and yeah. then later th- thinks he's building a time machine and ends up killing himself in havoc. <laughs> yeah, that's because Greystone has temporal insanity. <laughs> yes, uh, he go he goes he goes time crazy, which I get because I've tried to explain X Men timelines and I I understand <laughs> what he's doing. I do think, so the first issue is about that story uh, where there is someone who, there is a human who will become an abusive, uh, like, jailer and submit all of the XUE to a bunch of torture in the summer, or before the Summer's Rebellion in Bishop's Future. You know about that one. Yeah. Um, But he's a baby now. Like, he's a baby child. And Greystone is like, okay, well, I, listen, I guess we have to kill him. I don't know what to tell you. I I would like not to have been tortured. So if we if we stop him, then I won't be tortured. I understand his logic. It's kill baby Hitler logic. Perfect sci-fi sense. Anyway, he does see the child and is like, oh, because Greystone's kind of a kid. That's the thing. Like right. Greystone, even he's not as young as the body that he's inhabiting, but he's still like, he's like a teen. Yeah, and he's he, as mature as one. Right. No, he's he's very immature. Um, 
Now, parallel to this story, well, uh, we should also mention that Shard really does not care for these future uh, people. They keep wanting to befriend her and, you know, you know, be part of the team. And she's like, yeah, just please get away from me. Like, I, I <laughs> don't recall. I believe us. it was their actions that got her M-plated on accident. <laughs> right. so, so she so doesn't care about she's that. She's not super happy about that. Um, interwoven with that is a story about... Um, Havoc trying to make nice with uh, Jamie Madrox and Polaris and, you know, maybe to put the whole game. Oh, because X-Factor together. had fallen apart, by the way. Right. Right. So like Forge Forge had left and Forge, like, in this set of issues, like officially says, Havoc, do not talk to me. You pretended to be a terrorist for a while. I would like not to hang out with you anymore. Mm. Yeah. You had Mystique and Sabretooth are out doing their own things because they're done being villains. I don't, I can't tell you what happened to Wild Child. I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a while since I've read these. He kind of scampers off. So it's down to, and Havoc was already not on the team anymore because Havoc was like, I'm going to pretend to be a terrorist. Very strange. Very strange. So I do he- like. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, he's trying to make amends. It does seem like he may have succeeded. And then, of course, this arc ends with uh, Greystone uh, killing him, blowing him up. Yeah, he has this... Havoc gives this whole big speech about what X-Factor is going to be. He's going to say, hey, uh, XUE, you know what? I don't like you, but you're here, and we're going to do something here. We're going to make the world a better place. He then immediately gets blown up. <laughs> yeah. Were you... Uh- were you reading the letters columns on the back of these issues? Because I wasn't. Adam, I wasn't. Should I have been? No. But listen, I don't. I don't love the writing of Howard Mackey. I do love the fact that they are committing very hard to the fact that hey, you know, starting an X Factor one hundred and fifty, we got Tom Rainey joining. We are going to do something wild and take this book into a crazy new direction. You guys have no idea. Get excited. Mm-hmm. This is a big new thing in the book is canceled at 149 because the big new thing is actually a whole other book and i i kind of love it yeah yeah kudos to them i i have to say um and what we'll devote a couple seconds uh to the the fill-in issue that's in here which is very strange um but the the whole era here does feel remarkably fresh uh it, it it doesn't feel like your average x factor it does feel different i like these weird characters um they they they're they're weird and like i <laughs> they're problematic enough in the way in which they're constructed and the bodies that they're trapped in that that it, it makes the stories interesting so uh, it, i think it's kind of neat i i do think it's neat x factor had a problem, especially the Howard Mackey stuff. It it was searching for an identity for a very long time, and it couldn't figure it out. They tried to do the underground thing with a bunch of villainy characters, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't going in the right direction. Uh, it tried to do some of the Havoc being in the Brotherhood stuff. It just They were not finding a hook, and, and the Howard Mackey arcs were just bad. Until issue 140, when he introduces the uh, XUE and he starts like closing out other characters' arcs and building new arcs for these characters. And it's not 100% successful, but those last 10 issues, like 
there's a spark there that was not on this book since I mean since Peter David was writing it yeah. uh, back in the early 90s. Yeah, I agree. It's it's worth checking out. It's un, it's an underrated like era. Good? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it's good. Well, we'll get there in a second. Um but uh we are saddled with this weird fill-in issue that thinks that Shard is in high like high school age. Also, the coloring across these uh, issues is all over the map and doesn't seem to represent the, the skin tones of these colors uh, of these oh characters. it's 1997 1998 coloring buddy yeah and and that fill-in issue really it's telling the line you know it's basically like shard is a white girl with a tan so it, it's not great um that one's about her sort of trying to protect a, a high school kid who thinks he's a mutant um he's really out, just double jointed just got a double jointed thumb you know, not actually a mutant. And it ends with Shard almost being stoned uh, with with little pieces of gravel. If she wasn't a hard light hologram, she probably would have been pretty hurt. Um, and it's not, it, it doesn't fit in with uh, the, the rest of the storytelling here. So um, that one's a, an outlier. Um, the rest of it I thought was pretty interesting. And uh, kudos to trying to do something new and different. No, I agree. I I would rather I'm at the point there's there's bad comics out there. But I I would I would rather read a bad comic that's interesting and trying new things than a bad comic that's just boring. Like it may be technically better. Mm-hmm. And I can like from my very critical lens, I can say, "Well, this is better on like this merit, this merit, this merit." But I had more fun reading this one that's bad, but I enjoyed how the ways in which it was bad in the places it was trying to go. No, I, I and, agree. And that's the, like, that's the difference of Howard Mackie X factor from 139 and before to 140 and to the end of that run, mm-hmm. uh, which the, that explosion that kills Havoc and Greystone, we'll get to it. Also, also they've never done it and I, they never will. But given the existence of what happens with Havoc, and how little that's explained. Uh, Greystone could come back at any time. And oh, sure. I would love to see Greystone come back. Yeah. Like, he's cool. He's got... he He's a guy, and he, he has, like, inflatable dude powers. He just turns <laughs> into a big Hulk monster when he's angry. Yeah, he's he's pretty great. I liked all those characters. So, uh, why don't we rank this on our big old list, Zach? Yeah, here's the thing about our podcast, is that we've got a big old list. In fact, we have a 561 stories that we have been meticulously ranking from best to worst x-men story of all time uh the best story of course is house of x powers of 10 if you want to argue with me don't uh the number 100th story is x-force assault on gray malkin that's x-force 19 through 24 uh number 200 is that bishop miniseries hmm funny enough uh number 300 is savage avengers one through five the city of sickles uh, number 400 on our list is X-Force and Cable Annual number 5. That's when they do a beach day with the Impossible Man. Number 500 on our list is X-Factor Volume 1, 1 through 6. The bad part of X-Factor. Like, there's a lot of bad parts. That one's pretty bad, and then Wheezy's doing her darndest to keep it together by the end of it. <laughs> and the bottom story on our list is the Draco. I'm um, curious where this one will fall. I am, I too. Think 
I think if we're gonna if we're gonna be very technical about it, mm-hmm. Savage Avengers is a better comic, and that's at what three hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. I was looking, and right right below that is Sabretooth in charge, which yeah, this comic does not give anybody a tiger. That's that's a detriment. No, I and I was actually looking closer to the low three hundreds, um, around the four hundred mark, just uh, given the kind of storytelling that we have around there um you know i I think that i would give more credit to something like 381 which is deadly genesis just in terms of you know yeah but you like deadly genesis more than me it's (laughs) listen it's i it's not great but i i still think it probably is better than these couple issues but i think we're in the same like this is probably on par with the uh, three eighty seven, which is um, Rogan Iceman's road trip and the introduction of Gene Nation. Right? Yeah, because the road trip is good and the Gene Nation stuff's boring and bad, and their road trip actually really just has like one good part. Yeah, and the rest of it's off the rails. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say. Um, this is a this is an interesting theoretical question for you, Adam. Okay. Uh, is it better than that time where we found out uh, what Charles Xavier's greatest weakness was in Ultimate <laughs> X-Men? Stairs. Uh, let's That's see. That's a bad joke. The more the more I hear it, like, I, I feel like everyone knows just how horrible of a joke it is, but the shocking nature that it just gets thrown in there in this very serious story. Yeah. Well, where, where do we oh. have that on the list? That's at what? That's, that's at 385, just a couple spots above that. And then right above right above that, actually, between where you were saying Deadly Genesis, mm-hmm. which, fine, whatever, we're in the right ballpark. Uh, below that, we have the New Mutant Summer Special, mm-hmm. the X-Men No More Humans OGN, and the Jim Lee Mojo uh, arc that also has the Maverick backups with Mark uh, Texera. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um... How do you feel about it compared to those? I... I think i enjoyed reading this more than i enjoyed reading the new mutant summer special but if there's anything that i want to go back and reread on this list that i haven't in the years that we've been doing this podcast it's that story that we read on the first chunk of episodes and i feel like my tastes have changed, changed. yeah i feel I, like i feel like i have become more anacenti friendly in that time <laughs> even if i am not as anacenti friendly as you yeah, uh, that summer special is definitely better than this. Um, but I probably would put this ahead of uh, No More Humans at 383. Man, No More Humans is weird. It is. It I, is. No More No More Humans is another one that is so weird. That, like, part of it's the fact that it is a prestige OGN. And the only OGN the X-Men have had since God Loves Man Kills. Yeah, absolutely bonkers really strange. fascinated by this that does make this our new number 383 uh it's the end of x factor yeah so obviously uh we we said this before havoc goes kablooey um and ends up in a brand new book yeah it turns out there's not an x factor 150 <laughs> and there has never been an x factor 150 and likely never will be an x factor 150 uh what we have instead is a mutant x number one Fear him, fear for him. <laughs> uh, it's got it's got a big old wraparound cover that introduces us to this new team. It's still Howard Mackey and Tom Rainey is writing it or drawing it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam, you know about the 12, right? I do. I, I mean, you know, in, in as far as anyone can really understand a half-baked concept that then got turned into an even worse baked concept. And you know about the five? Uh, the current five? Yes. Yes, yeah, the five. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're the Mutant Resurrection team. Well, this is the six. Yes, this is the six. Uh, trapped in a world of darkness, Alex Summers is Mutant X. I want to be very clear. No, he's not. He's Havoc still. <laughs> they, they never call I him I do that. not know where the words Mutant X come from in this title. He is very explicitly Havoc. Market research? I don't know. That's a great question. Listen, who who can comprehend the mind of Howard Mackey? <laughs> it's not for the likes of us. Yeah. So uh, we have an interesting lineup here right off the bat on page two. Um, Havoc has sort of fallen into this new body and um, is in it's an It's the alternate... body of Havoc. It's another Havoc. Um, but in this uh, Havoc reality, he is married to Madeline Pryor. Oh, you're talking about Marvel Woman, the Goblin Queen herself. That's correct. Um, And they're teamed up with an alternate universe version of Archangel known as the Fallen. Um, Oh, yeah. So the Fallen. Let's talk about that. You remember remember when Warren Worthington III became the Archangel? Yes, I do. The the Archangel of Death for Apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Hallowed be his name. (laughs) Well, what this universe posits is what if then immediately afterwards Warren Worthington the third watched the crow <laughs> and got got and he just made that his whole personality <laughs> pretty much he's got the the you know some extra face makeup and uh he has his claws um he's he's an interesting dude um, he is just wearing spider-man 2099 shirt right like it's very that's, just what, that's his costume it's very similar if not the same um we are also joined by um, a storm who was transformed into a vampire by Dracula and never uh, brought back, and that is Bloodstorm. Yeah, that's Bloodstorm who asks, what if uh, Uncanny X-Men 160 Storm was not able to stop being under the thrall of Dracula? Bloodstorm doesn't get a lot to do in the issues. We're talking about issues one through three here, which kind of make up the first story of getting introduced to this world. Mm -hmm. Bloodstorm doesn't get a lot to do in these three issues. She gets more to do later. Uh, But I do think uh, the general appeal of Bloodstorm is sexy vampire Storm, which makes sense. She's a great character. I get it. Right off the bat. Very cool character. Um, Because it's still still Storm, but she's Mm -hmm. a sexy vampire. Um, and, uh, we also, I understand the appeal. <laughs> I also like, uh, the version of beast that we get here, the brute. Um, he's sort of like Hulk green. He's got scales. Yeah, he, and... he, he look he looks like the abomination. That's yeah. what he looks like. Yeah. He's like, if beast was the abomination, uh, it's, it's asking, okay, what if Hank never stopped experimenting on himself? Uh, especially during the x-factor stuff where okay now that i'm saying this out loud wow they really are just this is really just hey x-factor 150 because most of this is what if x-factor went a different way sure could be uh because this is this is pulling from the bad part of wheezy's x-factor where beast was getting dumb Mm -hmm. 
Little and bit. Everyone hated that, to be fair. <laughs> I get it that they went down that path and they're like, this could be interesting. And then they realized, no, it's not, actually. We need a pull. Hank McCoy being smart is the good part of his character. And then uh, there's Iceman, who has elf Oh, ears. you're talking about... Why? Oh, right, because he like went to Asgard, right? And had <laughs> So you remember... You remember in X Factor when Loki? Well, actually, this isn't just X Factor. You remember in Thor when Loki captured Bob Bobby Drake? Yeah, and he had to wear a wrestling belt for a while to control his powers. <laughs> yes. This universe posits: What if he didn't have his cool wrestling belt, mm-hmm. and instead, uh, he was a mature adult? <laughs> like he just has to grow up, and he's like, "Yeah, don't call me Bobby. Call me Bob, please. Like my name's Bob." Oh my goodness! Not Robert. Um, no, his name's Bob. It's Bob Drake. So, right off the bat, the Alex of this world drowns, and they do a quick body swap with the the, the soul, personality, psyche, whatever of the Alex from Six One Six. He f- comes back up with uh, Brute having saved him, and he's like, "What is going on? I am married to Madeline Pryor. You're still alive. What is happening here?" And, uh, yeah, there's a uh, there's a sentinel attack that he wakes up right in the middle of. <laughs> right, the sentinels kind of look cool. They're like skeleton sentinels. Mm-hmm. They, they're kind of rad. Yeah, Rainey's art. I think uh, I I enjoyed Rainey's art from this time period, and I think it's it's really great for these characters. He does a really good job of cementing who each one of them is, especially the way he draws Brute. I think is really cool. I think it's cool, uh, and he introduces us to the idea of this world's very different. Mm-hmm. So, Nick Fury in this world freaking hates mutants. Yep. He just really does. So, he's got Sentinels. Instead of a couple issues ago where the Mandroids were trying to get things taken care of, Nick Fury now has Sentinels, uh, and he's attacking uh, the Six with them. Uh, trying to capture... Uh, Madeline and Havoc's son, Scotty Summers, who is more or less Franklin Richards. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And right off the bat, without missing a beat, is basically like, hey, you're not my dad. (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Yeah. Havoc, Havoc for like 10 seconds, tries to like, because he's playing along and not telling anybody that he's Havoc from another dimension. He's like, Okay, son. Let's do it. And then Scotty and me is like, wait a minute. I don't like this. Another it's very funny. Another uh, really funny touch that's in here is um, his babysitter. Oh, it's a it's a Electra Stavros. <laughs> Why is Electra his babysitter? It's so weird. She, it's great. She's, she's just his babysitter. She's still Electra, which is the good part. Oh yeah, it's not no, like she's just straight up a ninja, but like she's also his his nanny, and I just don't understand why isn't she part of the team? She just hangs around, they and all... watches him, I guess. Yeah, they all live in a castle. Yes, yes, uh, the Bannerman Castle, which I'm trying to remember what is, is that like the castle that they had upstate uh, that like Toad took over for a hot minute. Someone's going to get on our Dr. case about this. We should look this up. We should. We should, I, because, you know, people expect us to, like, know this stuff. So, the Bannerman Castle is... <laughs> is... Oh, no, it's just an actual real castle in New York. Oh. 
Oh, okay. Well, now, and it is, a, I'm looking on the Marvel Wiki. It's Justin Mutant X. So this is not a 616 thing that we were supposed to know about. That's good Okay, great. This is, this is just a, ca- <laughs> a real castle that's in New York. Neat. Yeah. Oh, you can do a self-guided tour with live music for $40 Ooh, there. I like the sound of that. Um, Adam, you are in the tri-state area. I you know. Just go. Now I'm, I'm plotting a day trip. This sounds good. Uh, sounds delightful. Did, did we mention that there's a um, weird uh, relationship history with members of the Fantastic Four here? Oh, yeah. Uh, in a, what I for, had forgotten about in a beautiful thing. So the Fantastic Four show up. They never actually went to space. They all have robot suits. That's right. Whatever. And Reed is not <laughs> quite the smartest person in the world. He just kind of thinks he is and Sue kind of tells him he is. But he's not. That's true. What's also weird and true is that Havoc plays the Namor role for the <laughs> right. Fantastic Four in this universe. And this Havoc is very confused because he was like, I did not seduce Sue Storm. Why? What? <laughs> I would have done that. That's weird. <laughs> Maddie is like, listen, Alex, Alex, <laughs> we're past this. Right. Do not bring it up to Reed. Do not bring it up to Susan. We are trying to work together as community of heroes. <laughs> they do that, and then they have another mission where they... Well, during that time, Havoc expresses to Reed, So listen, Reed, I know you're really smart. I'm not from this universe. And Reed, acting like a rational person, is like, Okay, Maddie, uh, your husband has something going on, and he really needs your guys' love and support right now to work him through it. <laughs> and... I understand that there's part of it that was like, why are we gaslighting Havoc? But also, they're being incredibly reasonable and kind about this situation. Oh, sure. I mean, when he woke up in the first issue, he basically tried to kill them all. So, like... I honestly honestly kind of wish that in issue one, you didn't see the actual soul swap that was happening. Oh. Like, I... Because it would be so easy to not have that panel in there. Mm -hmm. And then you have the reader trying to guess, wait... What's happening? Because now we know that this is, we know what the situation is from page one, panel one. Right. If we didn't, I think that could have been a more interesting story than what we got. Could have been. Could have been. Uh, The third issue uh, has our folks ending up in Canada and running. Which is somehow worse. (laughs) Right. And running into uh, some very naked friends, uh, Wolverine, Sabretooth, and Wild Child, who are trying to get into the weapon x facility yeah they're just kind of hanging out around the weapon x facility uh but the bigger problem is that apparently mutant x has been banned from all of canada yes yes in in a beautiful scene guardian from alpha flight and the rest of alpha flight show up and say you have one hour to get off of canadian soil before (laughs) this becomes an international incident and smash cut to the next page that shows them in their jet saying 59 <laughs> minutes later. It's very good. I also appreciate that it's just Alpha Flight. It's not an alternate universe Alpha Flight. It's it's just Alpha Flight. <laughs> it's it's Guardian, Puck, Sasquatch, Aurora, North Star, Snowbird, and Shaman. Like, it's just, hey, we have a standard unit of Alpha Flight here. And fine, Canada's worse. But yeah. that's... And we end That's our it. we end our three issues here um, with Alex saying, "Okay, I'm stuck here. Uh, I guess if I'm gonna be here, I need to give it a shot." 
and uh, lets Maddie know that, like, hey, I'm sorry I've been a little weird lately, but uh, I'm I'm here to stay. And that then we go off with the series. And I got to say, I mean, as an introduction to an alternate world and to uh, some new characters, similar to my introduction to the XUE in the last arc that we just talked about, I think this is a lot of fun. Um, now, I have not read all of Mutant X, and I have heard that it um, starts very strong and does a nosedive very quickly after its first year. Um, it goes even in the first year. Look. Here's the thing that happens with Mutant X. It gets absolutely wild right after this. Oh, yeah. Like, even, even 4 and 5, which I did read, are bonkers. Um, yeah, uh, that's that's when Madeline tries to do Inferno 2. Right. Um, Involving Hobgoblin and Man Spider. It's very good. She does take <laughs> over the world and then gets okay. Uh, by, the end of, by the end of Mutant X, we learn about the Goblin Force, which is the... Equal opposite of the Phoenix Force, which kind of dumb, kind of rules. I can't decide which. Uh, and then we also have this giant, wild, I can't even explain it fully, but every possible thread comes together in this insane thing involving the Beyonder in Dracula and the X-Men that Magneto leads that are kind of evil. And also then, she's out of the book for a while, uh, but the Goblin Force does come back and is like, oh, dang it, it was Maddie all along. <laughs> uh, oh, again, wow. Mutant X isn't traditionally good, even if like these three issues have some enjoyable parts, a lot of great concepts. The execution, gets. this is probably about as good as it gets. Well, for a, for a starting arc, uh, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, you know, in terms of alternate universe X stories, I, I I thought this had more promise than, let's say, the beginning of Exiles. Um, sure. So, why don't we, we have the beginning of Exiles? I, I and now just saying that, I'm thinking like maybe that's too high on the list. But let me see. That's at 227 right now. That's that's above Fatal Attractions. And below Dead Man Logan. And Dead Man Logan's better than this by a, a good amount. Yeah, definitely. Um, gosh. You know, we probably just have Exiles too high. <laughs> probably. We probably do. Probably. Uh, but I, Is this better than... Okay, let's, let's ask the easiest question first. Did you like this better than the previous Howard Mackey stuff that we just talked about? Yes. Yes, I did. Did you? I think it probably it's probably a more coherent group of things with more good ideas, but I don't know I don't know how high it should go. Like is this better than say Rom Space Knight 17 through 18 hybrid? Mm. That's at 346. I mean, it and right above that is Extinction Agenda, which I definitely don't think this is better than um think we're probably it's definitely not better than bishop's crossing at 353 it is better than district x at 361 yeah okay um i think it's better than generation hope at 358 oh that's the one where they do an akira yeah yeah i think this is probably a better opening arc than that i don't think this is better than girl school from heck a story that i notoriously don't have strong 
good feelings for. No, but I do I think, think girl school from heck is the better. Girl school from heck is probably saying more. So uh, I yeah. would give it the edge, and that would make this our new three fifty eight. Mutant X. It would be our new 358. Honestly, a better showing for Howard Mackey than I expected. <laughs> Howard Mackey, a writer that was doing X-Factor, X-Men stuff for so long that by his last X-Men book, they thought it would actually sell better if they didn't say it was by Howard Mackey. That's insane. Um, all right. You're... We'll talk about the Brotherhood at a certain point. A book that was canceled because of 9-11. Oof, also. Oof. They, they were like, maybe we shoot maybe we shouldn't do a book about terrorists yeah right, now, right? not like, not great we shouldn't timing. do a domestic terrorist book mm. where they're the protagonists okay okay who's who can kill oh ecstatics let's let ecstatics just murder these guys real good <laughs> that'll actually tie it up nicely we'll, we'll we'll take this opportunity i wonder if the brotherhood are going to show up on krakoa and then magneto's gonna be like why did you use my name that was my name <laughs> No. You guys are some two-bit terrorists. There's no way I at least had nukes. Up. Not happening. Not happening. Oh, man. But if they ever gave me control of the X-Men, I would plummet sales, but I would make the dumbest stuff come back. <laughs> the XUE would be back in the first three issues. I think people I would promise like that. you. People would be into that. I think people I th- I think people would think any idea I have, which I don't want to write comics. I know there's a lot of people who like, you know, I could write comics. No, I have no desire to do that. I would throw the wildest stuff at the walls just to see what I could get away with. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on what editorial lets you get away with, right? Exactly. But speaking of wild and speaking of things that people tried to get away with, we have one more comic here. Man, we are going to need to do some explaining here because we did say the theme of this episode was Mutant X. So Zach and I decided to read the issue of marvel comics entitled mutant x origin now this mutant x doesn't have anything to do with anything that we were just talking about does it zach i cannot emphasize enough that there are actual u.s circuit court cases (laughs) about if this comic is legally distinct from the x-men franchise (laughs) and the answer is that it it was kind of up in the air, and they settled out of court eventually. But what had happened... So, this this comes out in 2002. Fox, 20th Century Fox, had owned, owned the film and TV rights to X-Men for some time at this point. That is correct. Like, that was, that was not a new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Marvel Comics did want to try and uh, produce a TV series for some unknown reason. Yeah. They, they produced a syndicated tv series now adam for our younger listeners can you explain what syndicated tv shows were (laughs) syndication just means that you have enough episodes that a show can uh can go into reruns um sure but with mutant x and some of its brethren like xena princess warrior or star trek the next generation it's much more episodic Right. So it's it's not like your prestige television shows where, you know, everything leads into everything and it's all one cohesive story. It's here's an adventure a week. Um, And these were these were specifically like these were not produced by a network. No. Like a lot of shows are. No. Or a production house that would own it. These were. Hey, here's here's a show we made. 
anyone can buy it. We're going to keep putting out episodes. And that's what they did. That That's what the Star Trek model was. Like, CB, those didn't run on CBS. Those ran on whatever your local affiliate that wanted to buy the rights to syndicate it. Yeah. And that yeah. still happens today. If you watch to the end of a game show, see what production house made it. Because it may not line up with the network that's airing it. Right. Right. You know? So, um, I believe the show was created by Avi Arad. Uh, yeah. Uh, this actually happened almost in conjunction. When did the first X-Men movie come out? 2000? 2000. Right. And this the is show just... came out in 2001. Right. So Fox is looking at this and going, what are you doing? We just put out this extremely successful superhero movie and you're trying to move into this space with Marvel Entertainment. And uh, lawsuits ensued, man. Like this here's, turned here's into a legal thing. battle. Here's the thing. Fox was 100% right because Marvel had just recently put out X-Men comics called Mutant X and also the words mutant and the letter X and from Marvel Comics all indicate that this is based on Marvel Comics X-Men franchise, mm-hmm. uh, which Fox had the exclusive rights to in an agreement that everyone was happy with. <laughs> uh, so we have Mutant X. Which is not about Charles Xavier. No. Or Magneto. Or any of our friends. No. Um, it is it's not. It's about Adam Kane and Paul Breedlove. <laughs> Who are DNA researchers of the mustard plant? Listen, let's be let's be very honest here. Adam, did you ever watch the TV series Mutant X? No, I did not watch any of the 66 episodes of... <laughs> Of Mutant X. So even the photo cover of this issue that features two actors uh, from the show, I don't know who these people are. Yeah, no, I I do not either. Um, but Mutant X was a show about people with special DNA. Mm. Um, they were experimented, and there were different kinds of kinds of mutants. There was molecular mutants who could mess with molecules and stuff there were like feral mutants that could turn into cats or whatever there were teleempathic mutants uh elemental mutants like it was a whole thing and they would go around trying to help out other mutants like they were the a-team but for mutants and trying to stop a bad guy madison eckhart from you know doing bad things it's uh, a when I say this is an a almost incomprehensible comic book, regardless of how much you might know about the show, I I think that between the artwork and the writing and the coloring of uh, characters that makes it very unclear of who which character is is which, um, this is not like. A, a comic superhero comic where everybody has uh, a recognizable silhouette or a recognizable costume or you know color scheme or something these are just people and the artwork here uh which is by lee ferguson thank you is very bad um it's someone who looks like they spent a lot of time staring at joe quesada art without actually like having any of the talent of Joe Casada, and um, it's bad. I I have no yeah. idea from page to page who some of these characters are, why things are happening. Um, it, it's 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 quite poor. 
Yeah, it's David Tishman co-writes this with uh, with Howard Chaikin. And there's a lot of things you can and should say about Howard Chaikin. Howard Chaikin, in the year 2002, did know how to make, like, comic books that people enjoyed. Like, sure. everything else aside, Chaikin had, he had done a lot of comics. Yeah. Uh, it's wild that he's on this and it is so poor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if he just came in to do a, a touch up on the scripts or whatever. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, for those people who don't know, Chaikin has done some, some pretty abominable things in, uh, in his writing and, and the projects that he's worked on. So, uh, you know, his more recent work may be a complete turnoff to, to most. Oh, of yeah. Your... I'm not, this is, this is, this is a, I hadn't read Howard Shaken stuff from the past when he was like the guy that people loved. Uh, but then Howard Shaken, uh, was the Howard Shaken. Oh, here's why. Cause Howard Shaken wrote the first episode of Mutant X. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's news to me. Huh. That's something I didn't know. No, I didn't know that either. All right. Um, but I, I'm assuming you had the same issue with the, with the crafting of this of this tie-in comic. Oh, it's a poorly made comic. Yeah, it's just it's incomprehensible. I, I even putting aside like if I'm putting on my, I'm a new reader. This is a comic that has nothing to do with the X Men. I don't understand what they're doing. It's it's a weird story. About, like, a genetic experiment gone kind of wrong, but doesn't seem like it went that wrong. And now there's friends who are on the other side of each other, and it's bad. This is bad. I just realized that the sequel comic to this, Mutant X Dangerous Decisions, uh, while it may not be better, it does have Stuart Eminem art. Yes. (laughs) And we should have read that one. I didn't realize it. Uh, That's a Stuart Eminem, Catherine Eminem art. Yep. Uh joint yeah that's before they were married though so it was it was under her maiden i saw it in the in the letters uh page of the comic and i was like oh no we we totally chose wrong and we could have done something by creators we both like (laughs) so if we're we're being a little light on the on the plot here it's just it doesn't make a lot of sense we have characters who go from mapping the genome of a mustard plant to you know i guess cracking the human genome to experimenting on people and at some point i guess a guy named trent breaks somebody's back and i yeah. guess all this leads into the first episode of the show so i guess doesn't here's seem a, compelling in any way the thing with this podcast is sometimes me and adam come up with bits and we think <laughs> they're going to be funny for us to do and then it's a joke on us we played a prank on ourselves and we now have to be the ones to receive punishment because we had to read this bad comic and then try and explain it but there's no good way it's it's not just like a weird media tie-in it's just like a really poorly crafted comic but not in a fun entertaining way like wolverine's trying to sell you trading cards <laughs> right this is not the and that's where this I'm is not the it. Charleston Chew uh, tie-in issue of Marvel Comics presents. Um, yeah, just don't <laughs> just don't try and find these. Like, there's a lot of this weird stuff that I encourage people to seek out because it's buck wild. This isn't worth it. Like, here's where I'm at, Adam. Number five hundred, Wolverine ninety-eight to one hundred, Furnace of His Mind, Anvil of His Heart. Like, I I'm reading that Larry Hama comic. 
a hundred times before I pick this one up again. Oh yeah, no, this is this is uh, this is terrible. Um, I I I struggle putting it like at the absolute you know depths of the bottom here, if only because it's not. There are a couple of like little offensive things in this book that are also kind of terrible. Yeah, but they're, too, they're, they're this was a comic that was made in 2002 it, level of. Exactly. And because the story is just like gobbledygook, it's it's very very difficult to to say it's worse than something that's like straight up offensive. Um how do you feel about this compared to another tie-in comic, uh X-Men Prelude to Perdition number 1, which was that Capcom tie-in comic for a video game. <laughs> That's at 526. Exactly. And I believe that, that is our lowest... No, X-Men the Animation Special <laughs> is lower than this. And this, this is actually better than X-Men the Animation Special, I think. Okay. Yeah. I, wow. Um, this is at least someone drew a comic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And everything below that starts to get into, like, the offensive... So I don't think this is as good as what's right above that, which is Wolverine and the X-Men volume two, one to six. Um, okay, perfect. Which is also this is 538. Yeah. Which is also a narrative mess, but you know, as some, it's os- got that Mahmoud Asar art. I was going to say, it's got some, os- that one's art. got the good art. Oh man. So this is our new number 538. <laughs> Avoid that one, folks. Why do we do this to ourselves? Because we thought we were we being could've... funny. We were like, oh, we'll do this. This will be so... And... It'll be a good prank we played on us. <laughs> Whoops. Idiots. Whoops. Uh, do you know who's not an idiot, though? Uh, the uh, generous benefactor of this episode. Yeah, Marcelo Biot. Uh, not an idiot. Great, great dude. Uh, once gave me custom art of this podcast. Uh when I met him at a convention, it was fantastic. It is, you can't see it because this is an audio medium, but I'm pointing to it. It's over there. Adam also can't see it because I'm not moving my camera. Yes. He's seen it before. He and uh, I am going to, to share a little secret uh, about um, Marcelo and myself. And that is that we are actually working on a comic book together. So um, in a little bit different, I'm actually writing this uh, one shot and, uh, Marcelo is drawing it, so um, whenever that is ready, we will we will share the world. But if you would like to get just a little sneak peek uh, at, at that, um, you can you can follow him on uh, Twitter at MarceloBot. So um, that that I'm hoping will be in hand sometime next year. Exciting. Woo. Uh, beyond that, what else do you got going on, Adam? Uh, folks, you can always follow me on uh, Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Just got back from New York Comic Con, and uh, you know that was interesting. But you can kind of see what happened there. And if you want to, if you want to read about what happened there, you can go to the Comics XF newsletter. Yes, uh, and sign up. Uh, Adam Adam spoke about his experience uh, <laughs> as a con goer, and we actually had uh, some of our exhibitors and you know Artist Alley folk. Uh, talk about their experience with uh, New York Comic Con. Uh, friend of the show and editor Dan Grote uh, compiled that and put all that together. Dan's great. He manages the newsletter. Go check that out. There's a lot of fun stuff there. It's very cool. And then go check out everything else we're doing on ComicsXF.com uh, and on Twitter at ComicsXF. Uh, I think by the yeah by the time this goes up, we had a really cool Al Ewing interview mm, uh, yeah. that will be up by that point. 
Uh, and that's that's dope. We've actually here's the thing. We've been killing it with interviews recently. <laughs> yes. There's been a lot of really good interviews that some of y'all ain't paying enough attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I've seen the upcoming slate. It's so wild how many people we can get to say yes to us. <laughs> it's not even hard anymore. We're just like, hey, we're a real website. Cool, whatever, fine. <laughs> we're a real website. It's true. It's true. We get the sometimes. Hits. Sometimes all you have to do is pay for a URL, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, well, this email address is coming from a website. They had to pay for this email, so they're taking this like ten percent seriously. <laughs> we're taking it like five. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but we've got that going on in next week. Mm. Uh, like I spoiled at the beginning of the episode, it's going to be a spooky time. Ooh. So we're going to talk about some Halloween stories. But until then, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!